evening and welcome to this Friday's edition of Stockwatch. I'm Zinati Guma. And joining me to wrap up this week up are Derek Janssen van Rensburg from Anchor and Willem Oldewacher from Nitrogen Fund Managers. Thank you to the both of you for joining us. Let's go into the, I guess, biggest news for this week. And that was that U.S. inflation print that came out on Wednesday. We saw deceleration there. With inflation now decelerating, and I'm not even sure if I should say that inflation has reached a peak, a peak yet. Um, starting with you, Willem, um, would this be the time to go into the stocks that were dumped in the first half of the year, like tech and like the U.S. Uh, retailers like Target and Walmart? Yes, I, I, I definitely think it's a time to start. I think it was a very small miss on a very high expectation. So I think it's worth remembering that U.S. inflation is still above 8%, which is very far above their sort of target rate. And then if you look at U.S. core inflation, it's still incredibly sticky. A very large portion of the drop was the U.S. energy prices, which was down, I think, about 9% month on month. So even though this does indicate a turn, I think there'll still be a lag in things like food and housing and um, sort of consumer discretionary goods. But I think it's very positive that we are starting to see a turn. And I think even though I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like better the house, I think it's time to start considering um, sort of running ahead of the Fed and pivoting your own portfolio, maybe from fixed income to equity. Derek, should you act on the notion or the opinion that inflation is decelerating, it's peaked, or maybe should you also be maybe a little bit more cautious because you could still kind of have inflation going sideways, or could it? Yeah, I think that's actually, <clears throat> excuse me, you've just hit the nail on the head there. I think we've seen a, obviously a very sharp spike in inflation to the levels that we're at at the moment. It does seem like the levers that the Fed are pulling are obviously starting to work. That kind of talked through to that uh, CPI data print that we saw this week. But certainly this is not, not a, a sort of a sell-off or a market that was uh, similar to the financial crisis or even the COVID crisis where we saw this sharp sell-off and then the quick recovery thereafter. So I certainly don't anticipate markets to give you this very strong V-shaped recovery. I think that they have been beaten up and I think you can certainly start nibbling at certain stocks and I think it talks to that growth tech space of the market that looks quite interesting at the moment. But certainly don't expect runaway markets all the way to kind of retest their recent tops. I think um, you've got to be patient, get in, but yeah, we need to actually start seeing interest rates come down and I still think we're a long way from that. So expect a very choppy environment. That's, that's kind, of, kind of my message at the end of it. Okay, and would you say, Willem, because then interest rates haven't come down, yes, inflation has come down, but we still need to see um, a cooling down in interest rates. Would you say then that the markets may not have reached uh, capitulation yet? Yes, definitely. I think um, it's interesting how markets fall. Generally, it's an escalator up and an elevator down. And as Derek pointed out, we sort of had an escalator down up until now. So there hasn't been a capitulation. It's been sort of slow repricing, which could be very positive. It's more rational reaction than a, um, than a full-on market crash, as in the GFC or the Corona crash. So um, I think it would take something very, very serious, something like something happening in Taiwan or maybe an escalation to Ukraine and Russia for the rockets to fall further. I think a lot of negativity is priced in. But... Um, and, and then thinking about sorry, uh, the uh, interest rates, I think it is, there is a long time to come before they'll start lowering interest rates, but I think a lot of the market pricing is based on expectations. So I think you have to sort of look at what, what's going to happen, not what's, what's happening right now. And I think um, the picture is changing slowly to a more bullish one.
Hmm. All right, let's get into uh, some of the questions that we have gotten for today. Um, there's a question on Woolies. Should one sell Woolies as I cannot see them competing with checkers? I'm just trying to think, Derek, if Woolies is trying to compete with checkers on a big scale. No, I think they're actually two very, very different business models and sort of target two very different LSM markets. Um, you know, Willys has actually been quite a big disappointing stock. If you just look at it over the last five to eight years, and so much obviously has to do with that David Jones acquisition in Australia. Mm. Um, it does seem like a lot of that bad news is probably in the price. But the thing that's always concerned me about Willys is they've basically got the two components, the food and then the clothing side of things. Yeah. And when one's doing well, then the other side's not doing great. So you kind of, they're never sort of firing on all cylinders in terms of, uh, gross revenue ultimately at the end of the day. Um, mm. So you've got to look at the businesses and look how management actually run these businesses. I think ShopRite is a much better managed business. The share price has actually been doing quite nicely of late. Um, and I think that uh, ShopRite have got a great business model, particularly with these new flagship stores that are coming to market. The 6060 uh, delivery uh, component of it is obviously also do, gaining a lot more traction as time goes on. So my preferred pick would actually be ShopRite. It has run a bit hard to these kind of 240 levels, but if you do see it come back, I would prefer a ShopRite over Woolies. Mm. Um, you know, you say, yeah, so Derek is saying that uh, Woolies has been uh, quite a, a disappointment in the last, like, eight years, of course, due to a lot uh, a lot of that having to do with the David Jones. But, I mean, the um, re recent updates are basically telling us that there's an improvement in that. Um, and I think a trading update, when was it last month? They also said that their uh, fashion and beauty division did better as well. They did see a kind of normalization in revenue growth in uh, the food sector. I'm just trying to think on your side, Willem, um, if the kind of um, optimism that we have seen in the short term is enough for a person to be optimistic about the counter in the medium term. Yeah, sure. So I, I sort of tend to agree with Derek that they're not competing with shop right now. I think that's because they're targeting a very small market in South Africa. So their business model is, is geared towards sort of very sort of high-listing users. And I think that's sort of a, even though there's a lot of money there, it's a very fragile part of the market. So in this space, I definitely prefer stuff like Mr. Price and ShopRite. And then the fact that they're a dual sort of both retail, uh, clothing retail and food retail, just sort of adds a lot of complexity. That with the fact that management has had, let's um, say, not the best track record um, in terms of investments, their growth seems very limited. It'll be connected to the high LSM um, South African consumer, which is you know, um, not a great space to be uh, sort of mm. building a business right now. Um, is Woolies maybe kind of a confusing investment because it's got like all these different divisions, but then you have these big competitors for those different divisions where they could maybe s struggle for market share, Derek? Yeah, it is a bit. I think you are right. Um, I think that, um, you know, what it actually comes down to is what is Willie's growth story? Yeah. You know, and obviously it sits on, on, on a more palatable valuation if you look at ShopRite, if you just look at it on a PE or a forward PE valuation. But my question is, what is Willie's growth story and how are they going to gain market share? Mm. I don't want to see them starting to operate outside of South Africa or, you know, make the same mistakes they did with David Jones. But within the sort of South African context, I'd like to see 
a strong growth strategy implemented. And I'm not seeing that at the moment. And that's why it's fetching a lower rating than uh, than than ShopRite. Yeah. So for me, ShopRite's got the growth strategy, and they're certainly embedded in the market to leverage off that. So. That's why I really I lean towards the shop right as a stock pick between the two. Ah, uh, okay. I'm not sure you guys are going to um, be able to answer this question. There's a question from a viewer. Um, very small companies. Kindly, um, uh, team, please help. Uh, what is behind Lux Holdings stock performing uh, better? And what do you think is the reason behind a fine investment stock no longer moving as it rallied this year around June? Lux Holdings and A Fine Investments. No, uh, I don't. I don't follow those. Yeah, I even think I saw Lux Holdings is um, share trading has been suspended on the JC. But yeah, uh, let's move on. Um, there's a question on Renogen. Can we get uh, the panels you on Renogen going forward? Is this going to be a game changer in the future of SA Energy? Um, like maybe building a power plant next to Virginia is phase two, is phase two going to be the real game changer in production volume? Willem? Yeah, I think game changer is a big word, but I think we're definitely starting to see a political shift in South Africa, which is very positive for companies like Renogen. I think they've sort of pivoted and sort of placed themselves ready for something like a independent power producing uh, procurement in South Africa. And um, now they sort of start to follow through on the strategy. It's not a given that they will, but uh, I see all those companies, um, something like more energy, energy, anything in the energy space, maybe Exoro with their uh, synergy sort of windmill or uh, wind uh, power stations. I think all of that's very interesting right now. I think it's very sort of root stage, ground up stage, but definitely worth having a close look at. Um, I think it's a, it's a big problem for South Africa and these companies are sort of stepping up and I think uh, both public and private money would support that. So, yeah, I think it's definitely something to be excited about and to, to look at. Mm. Um, Derek, with Renogen, um, I guess you would say it's still a kind of speculative stock. Would you actually say it's still a speculative stock? Yes, it is. It's, a, it's an exploration business. <clears throat> it's got no revenue or little revenue on its books at the moment. Phase one is a very small component of let's just call it the potential value unlock for Renogen. So phase two is really where you kind of got to look through and get most of your value for Renogen. And mm. um, that said, I do think that uh, they're ticking all the right boxes. The sort of execution thus far to get the plants to where they are at the moment has been good. Uh, they've got financial backing with uh, external shareholders stepping up to the plate. And a lot of investment in the space, uh, as Bidim alluded to, and interest in the space. So I think that they're sitting on a good quality asset. Um, if they can bring it to market, you'll see the share price go higher from the sort of 37 Rand levels. But mm. as I said, it is an exploration business and it does come with an element of execution risk as they start to, to bring those plants to, to manufacturing stages. Um. Another big story for the week on the JSC has been all the drama happening in the telecom space. Um, so yesterday, Rain came out and threw a spanner in the works. Uh, this is after an announcement that is trying to get in on telecom. Uh, of course, we know that MTN is already in uh, discussions with telecom uh, for that uh, acquisition. Um, and then obviously the uh, takeover regulation panel said that Rain must uh, retract that statement. But I'm wondering if this is, you know, if this is an actual possibility. Um, 
how big of a headache it could provide for MTN. Uh, do any of you guys own MTN? Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, let's start with you, Derek. <laughs> so we also had some decent results that came out of MT MTN, I think, uh, in the last day or so. So yeah. that's obviously also given a bit of buoyancy to the share price. Um, MTN is a big business. You know, my worry is that it becomes, uh, gets to sort of the competition commission uh, stages where uh, authorities feel that they don't want to create too much of a monopoly with MTN owning all the assets. I think Telcom's got some good quality assets. Uh. I think the assets that MTN are looking at are probably those fiber assets. And there's also a property underpin if you sell off some of those properties within the, the Telcom stable. Um, yeah, I can't see how things potentially play out with an MTN telecom takeover, to be honest. Obviously, okay. as you said, it is in talks and discussions. The cautionaries are out, so let's see how far it goes. But I, I do think that if you are going to play in this space, MTN is certainly my, my preferred pick. And, and, and uh, rightly so, I mean, the share price has bounced from 140 up to about 157. Mm. So I've certainly been participating around those 140 levels. And, and I think there's some further upside towards 200 to 220 uh, is probably the, the sort of valuation I'm looking for. There's also discussion on um, if MTN could take the whole of Telcom or if maybe because as Derek mentioned that they're more interested in the fiber division. So I'm trying to think if maybe the fiber division could go to MTN and the mobile division goes to rain and i'm trying to think on rain's side would that provide significant upside if they did get that mobile division from telecom uh Willem. yeah so i think that's a really interesting solution uh, this is an incredibly complex transaction and now rain has made it even more complex because there will be spectrum issues there'll be competition issues and then of course um, just sort of how it's funded not that there are any issues i think more than enough undrawn debt. But um, in terms of a headache, so just to come back to that, I think, yeah. yes, rent quite a massive headache. Uh, they've got the producer CFS all behind them. So in terms of cash, that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And in terms of just looking at how competition authorities are starting to look at these transactions, uh, look at how Northern is sort of pushing out the Impala uh, River for King transaction. I think Ray would do the same thing if MTN finally did make an offer for Telcom. I think Ray would, would make a very good argument that it is a a problem competition-wise and that they are a better partner. Then in terms of just the splits, I think that does make sense. But um, still, the mobile the mobile networks, I think the Spectrum auction really makes it difficult. Um, Rain bought some Spectrum and uh, Telcom bought Spectrum, and that was before anybody knew that they're the same sort of entity, which wouldn't have been allowed uh, if they were bidding as one entity. So I think that makes it, I don't know, could we go back in time now? So we sort of took five years to get it done, and now yeah. suddenly we have to sort of reallocate the Spectrum or Telcom's piece goes back up for auction, so you know, very complex. I think this will take a long time, I'm thinking sort of 12 to 18 months, to get to sort of any points of, uh, of real sort of realisation for Telcom shareholders. Yeah. Willem talks about the spectrum. Of course, even though it's delayed, it's finally here. Um, and then you have all these developments that these companies are now trying to go from mobile companies to sort of fintech companies. And actually yesterday, while all this drama was happening, uh, there was a, a launch of a new telecoms industry body, the Association for Comms and Technology. Um, so it basically, it's going to aim to kind of... Um, 
engage with stakeholders, including government, on the issues um, in the telecom space. So I'm just trying to think with everything that's happening here. Derek, would you be, because it sounds like it's a very exciting sector to be in. So would you be shooting yourself if you are not in that sector right now? As an investor? Yeah, I think, mm. I think that the mobile industry actually needs to transform in my, in my opinion, in that for so long now, I think these mobile operators have been spoiled with such high margin on things like data and obviously very expensive phone calls. And I think the sort of general trend globally is that you just ask, going to certainly see those prices start to come down and margin squeezed somewhat. So how does the company evolve? And I think FinTech is really the answer. Um, you've seen the sort of establishment of that Momo's component to MTN. And I think it's the ability to facilitate financial transactions, um, which is really what's going to be the game changer in this space over the next three to five years, in my opinion. Um, so it's how they harness that. And then obviously using the, the sort of natural infrastructure of what they've got today in terms of, uh, you know, the towers and obviously data, et cetera. So mm. it's an interesting space to be in. I don't think you can afford not to be in it. I do think just on, the, on as I said earlier, on the current numbers, MTN still looks quite cheap and they're going to continue to pay good cash flow. So, so I think you certainly want to take a long-term view with it. Mm. I'm wondering, um, actually, what upside this could provide, Willem, for ARC if Rain actually does get a piece of Telcom? Yeah, I think it gives them a lot of spectrum, I think, and, and towers of coverage. So RAIN is very limited to metropolitan areas right now. And um, Telcom sort of has a roaming agreement. I think they've, they've moved from Vodacom to MTN. I might be wrong with that. But they've got sort of very nice roaming agreements, even though it won't be RAIN 5G, maybe 4G and 3G, with a much, much bigger sort of area of coverage. So I think RAIN would be able to use that. Mm. But um, so just going back to what I, what I thought about earlier, I think yeah. um, the biggest problem is transactions or the business we aren't speaking about, which is BCX, which is, is performing poorly and in the copper business which um, would make a major headache as a telecom shareholder. I'm not sure if you would vote for being left with those two assets. Uh, um, so yeah, that's just another little sort of um, yeah, something that spoke of this transaction. Uh, okay, quite an interesting one. Um, this is just for my own interest. So Impact um, Paper and Packaging Company came out with results earlier this week. Uh, they had earnings jumping 31%. Um, of course, shareholders were happy with that. We did see the share price going up 3% at some point. Um, I'm trying to think because, Derek, we're always talking about Sapi and Mondi, but we actually never talk enough about Impact. What's your view on Impact? Ah. Personally, I actually like Impact. I think it's an extremely well-run business. I think they've obviously battled with the backdrop of a very tough economy for the last three to five years, obviously a bit of a low base in it. But I think that the business is growing, and I think that they're well-placed in, in that space to, to grow further, to be honest. Um, so I actually think that the management are doing a great job there. Those results were good and strong. And I've been keeping an eye on it. I think that impact is probably a buying opportunity, to be honest. And I do think that, you know, the company's going to continue to give you good, strong, um, expected returns looking forward or predictable returns. So I'm happy to hold it. Yeah. And we are seeing there with that graph that um, it has been under pressure recently. So um, a dip. Willem, on your side, impact or... Um, are you more of a Mondi or Sappy fan? 
Honestly, right now, I think the paper space is really interesting. I think after today, money is less so. But um, then Sapien Impact, if you look at the sort of commodity prices for graphic paper, craft paper, dissolving Whipple, all of those are doing great. And the companies are all capitalizing. And they're all very cheap because um, they sort of had, like I said, a very tough time. And sort of, not that any of them uh, got close to something like liquidation or regulation, but um, the market really shunned paper businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, each for their own reason, but I think it is a good place to enter and a very nice place to park your money long term um, because your entry point is sort of a 5 to 8 PE uh, in everything except money. So I agree it's sort of a, an overlooked little uh, player in the, in the paper space. Mm. Um, logistics space, um, we had one Logix, a smaller company in that um, logistics space. I don't know if you guys pay attention to it, but they seem to paint a rather bleak picture. Um, uh-huh. But then you saw the share price up 8%. Um, and they were talking about how they've been affected by challenges with Transnet, um, protests on the roads, and that saying that it, it, it's costing quite a lot to do business in South Africa. Um, do any of you, uh, Willem, you're nodding your head. <laughs> do you yeah, have, so yeah. Uh, these smaller logistics companies, I don't know if you recall, I think about last year, the Stone Value Group, which is also a smaller logistics company, were taken out. And then sort of every two months since then, one logic has brought in a caution saying that sort of there's a potential transaction. So I think um, it's very tough to do business as a listed company, and there are lots of costs for a cheap company to stay listed in terms of audit fees, JC, listing requirements. And I think as tough as it is, I think they're looking very hard for a private equity sort of buyer so that they can sort of keep on operating, but they, they are right. It's, it's way too difficult um, with all the regulations for them to, to operate competitively. So I think it's a very interesting company, and I think they will probably, uh, or hopefully, uh, find the right sort of partner, and then um, I think that's what's driving the share price. I think the 8% isn't oh. anything fundamental. I think it's just people trying to front run those cautionaries that they've been putting up, like I say, almost a year now. Ah. Derek, would you be going uh, for the small guy, or would you rather go for the big guys in the logistics space? <laughs> it's a very difficult space to operate in, and there's a lot of risks associated with it. Um, to be honest, <clears throat> what did catch my eye the other day or a week or so ago was that trading statement on a supergroup. Yeah. And that was very strong. And I think it was better than the what the market was expecting. And you actually saw the share price rally, I think, on the day about 15%. But it does seem like supergroup is looking okay now. And we should start to see some higher levels in that share price, which is around 28-odd rand at the moment. Um, and it has gone as high as around 36, 38 in the past. But to answer your question, mm. I would probably lean towards something like a super group, which is a little uh, bit bigger and more, more predictable. And I quite like the backdrop of what I saw in this trading statement recently. Uh, right. Let's get to your stock picks. 30 seconds each. Willem, what will it be? Okay. I'm going to go with coronation fund managers. I think we spoke at this on the program about sort of inflation may be starting to at least level off if not peak. Uh, coronation is such a nice play because you get a sort of a 10% yield at current prices with no beta, which means if there is any market performance, you get very high beta stock at a very low price. So uh, in terms of looking for beta and, and cheap beta, I think it's, the, it's very hard to beat on the JC right now. Mm. All right, Derek, uh, who are you putting your hopes on? Okay, so I'm going to go with Aframat. The share price kind of peaked around 70 when all the commodity prices were running and it's sitting at about 51 rand. Management are continuing to do acquisitions and what I deem to be value accretive acquisitions. So at 51 Rand, if you just look at it on a valuation basis, it's looking very cheap. 
they actually placed a bit of stock in the market uh, to, to actually raise a bit of cash for these recent transactions that they're basically implementing at the moment, which talks to the weakness in the share price. But, <coughs> excuse me, I think um, I think at this price there's value unlocked. So to, to today, tonight, my, my stock pick is Afrimax. All right. Thanks, gentlemen, for your time. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, that's it for Stock Watch this week. Uh, thanks to my guests, Derek Janssen van Rensburg from Anchor and Willem Oldewacher from Nitrogen Fund Managers. From me is Nati Kuma and the rest of the team. Have a great weekend.